Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of Hometown Glory, your Spurs, Culture and Harry Kane podcast. I'm Charlie and joining me are Rosa and Tom. So we witnessed history being made this weekend. Harry Edward Kane is now our club's greatest goalscorer. 267 goals in 416 games, 200 Premier League goals in 301 games, one aborted attempt to leave us that we'll never ever speak of again. We'll of course spend plenty of time eulogising Harry, but we'll also be taking a deep dive into the 1-0 win over the champions Man City, uh, reviewing another Spurs women defeat and looking ahead to big weekends for both the men's and women's teams. We'll, of course, also be delivering you our weekly culture picks, which may or may not involve a fair bit of Happy Valley chat. So first to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a day that belonged to one team and one man specifically, whatever tedious little Arsenal fans might tell you. That man, of course, is Christian Stellini, proud possessor of a 100% record as Spurs head coach. Of course, I'm joking, but seriously, fair play, Christian. What a lovely, calming presence, by the way, he's been in Conte's absence lately. We love him. Um, But the game, um, obviously, it was Harry's day. It's all about Harry, but we were really, really good. I was, apart from the first, like, 15 minutes until we scored, where we looked very tepid and cautious and nervous and... City was sort of playing with us a little bit. I think that might be just about the best I've seen us play this season. Tom, you had the great, great pleasure of sitting next to me during this match down my end for once. Um, it was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, I sat down with um, with you sort of towards the towards the north. So we got Harry Kane's uh, record breaking goal right in front of us, which was great. Um, I did. I missed the South Stand. And let me just put it out there. All the noise was coming from the South. It was weird kind of not being in it and, and uh, seeing it from the other end. But yeah, I, I, I think it has to be our best performance of the season um, to a man. I think all of them were very, very good. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they sort of stepped up because Conte wasn't there and because Conte... Um, was was sick and there was something kind of to, mm. to prove or some message to send to him there um, because I think they, you know, they they are still playing for him uh, despite, you know, the ups and downs of this season. Anyway, like massive performance. The, the entire team were really good, I think. And yeah, I'm so chuffed to have been there and to have witnessed Harry's uh, record-breaking goal. The stadium went mad and... The sort of uh, chat, the, the chat afterwards was extremely cute and all very, yeah, just like genuinely quite emotional and and touching. And thank God he did it in a win as well, because I think we discussed after the game, it, he so easily could have broke that record against Preston coming off the bench mm. or away to someone in a, you know, in a loss and still broke the record. So Well, yeah, quite. I mean, we definitely had fears that he was going to have scored that goal as the opening goal in a 3-1 home defeat against Man City, because it was a bit hairy to start with. But that goal really sparked us into life, didn't it? I mean, the rest of that half, I know Mara's hit the bar, but that was really the closest they came, City, for the rest of the game. And we were creating really good chances. I think we weren't great until we scored, to be honest. I think Mm. me and you were sat there going, this isn't great. Uh, Perisic didn't look very good. Um, slightly concerned about the the team selection. But yeah, from the minute we scored, we were excellent. And it was worrying because you score that early 
you've you know we had a lot of football to still sit through um and you know you sit of course you also think about the 4-2 very recently where we were 2-0 up at half time so there's no like you can't count your chickens when you're playing city but yeah we were excellent you can't count your chickens but do you think that once we'd scored because we do have that weird hoodoo over them and we're fully in pep's head do you feel like once we'd scored, that was it? And everybody was like, not everybody, because obviously what had happened the previous game, but that was at there, so it's slightly different. They still have not scored, like, at our stadium in... Five games like, now. Four, yeah, is it five now? Okay. So once that had happened, surely at least amongst the team, there would have been that feeling of like, no, we're, get, we're doing this again. This is happening again. I mean, I would I would love to say that I felt that confidence during the um, 75 minutes that were still <laughs> to be played. Yeah, once that's why, we had that's why I caveated it with, do you feel like, the team at least? <laughs> uh, I would be a liar if I was to claim that was, that was true of me. But I do think that the team grew. I think as soon as we scored, as, we, as we're saying, you know, there seemed to just be a sort of chest puffed out. Actually, we can get on the ball. We can, you know, create problems. And City you know, played this slightly mad formation where they played sort of three defenders, pretty narrow, and then had sort of Rodri and Rico Lewis, who I think is an excellent young player, but he was sort of playing almost in midfield. And it was just one of those mad pep, I think he slightly overthought things, decided that actually Spurs are just going to be defending all games, so I don't need to worry about fullbacks. And actually, I mean, Kulisevsky was, I thought, terrific and held the ball up really well and was a constant menace. And Sonny, you know, we're talking about sort of happy, emotional events from the game. I thought that was, despite the fact he scored two beautiful goals against Preston the other week, I thought that was the closest I've seen him look like, you know, our Sonny in a fair old while in the sense that when he got the ball, he was really running at them with purpose. And, you know, he seemed like, he seemed like last season Sonny again, which was, which was lovely to see. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, Perisic was, slow to start sort of grew into it a bit in the second half but really it was a performance of lots and lots of sort of eight nines out of tens I thought it was it was really really lovely to see and I think it reminded me of that the sort of run-in form from last season when we just looked really you know determined and they had that steal and you know that's three clean sheets in a row now after the after the Arsenal sort of debacle they seem to have really gone back to basics or I don't know what's going on defensively, but they really, they really have tightened up again, despite you know the odd sort of brain fart here and there from a few of them. Um, anyone else? Like, I mean, I was going to say anyone else stand out. I feel like it's a true shame that Billy's not here. He's had a family thing, so he's been called away, and it's a crying shame. But we have to talk a, a little bit about his his uh, his king and hero, Emerson Royale, because that was. Talk about emotional things. Talk about sort of redemp- redemption arcs. What a performance! Absolutely magnificent, Tom. He was just almost faultless, right, for the, the entire game. And where you were sat with me, and I, as Tom mentioned, sort of sit, I sit in the west stand towards where it meets the north, and we had a sort of prime view of him versus Grealish for the whole second half, just sort of right on, right below us. I mean, apart from that one moment where he sort of sighed down Grealish when he got away from him, he basically had him in his pocket for 90 minutes, didn't he? 
Yeah, I was worried uh, when he gave away that free kick towards the end of the game. And I did, I was concerned. I thought maybe he needed subbing at that point. But apart from that, he was so, so good. His best performance for us, I think, ever. Um, and yeah, it's just ironic. Or maybe it's not ironic. Maybe it was because we bought another right back who everyone assumed is going to be the first choice, first choice right back now. And he may still be within a within a few games, but Royale was like so good. Everything he did came off, every sort of trick he tried to pull, every mm. run was brilliant. He linked really well with Kulazewski at times uh, on the right and Romero as well. And yeah, he was he was faultless. So um, he like he can't really, you would have assumed he, he was playing that one and then Poro will get some more training and the coaches will get more of a chance to see him. And obviously Poro will definitely start against Leicester, but you can't really drop him after that. He was unbelievable. Um, Rosa, I feel like we're, we're often quite shy on this podcast to sort of toot our own horn, but we have been the staunch Emerson Royale defenders for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, when it was very fashionable to be booing and mounting social media campaigns against this poor guy. We stood we've been firm. There. We, we stood, stood firm. firm. I mean, we, largely we it was man. Billy. Yeah, <laughs> largely let's, it was Billy. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but um, and also, here also we are. shout out to Ash as well, who has been very firm that we do not, we do not boo this man. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it for us and I love it for him. I in, have very much enjoyed his social media over the last 24 hours, which is mostly pictures of, and videos of him just next to Grealish, just being like, this man's obviously in my pocket and loads of like Brazilian commentary. It was highly enjoyable. And then his like very moving Tottenham, like this is my team post which I'll be honest really got me and he I loves don't, it doesn't he he, he loves absolutely it. loves and it and I you know I'm that I'm that easily won over as you all know I don't think with Emerson it's so funny isn't it because it's not really a redemption arc it's just I think it's just always going to be a redemption roller coaster which really suits <laughs> us but I think what we have always said certainly you guys have always said is that he's strong defensively he is obviously a good right back he's not really suited to being a right wing back but he Conte likes him for those big games defensively mm. he's very solid and sometimes that's been true and sometimes it has been less true but yesterday he he absolutely so he proved us right in that way. Like he really gave the performance that I don't, I don't know if we all kind of believed he had in him, but wanted him to have in him and he did it. And I'm so absolutely thrilled for him. I think as well, you know, the big difference has got a bit, cause I, you know, Ollie came home from that game. This is one of the, the things of, um, living with another Spurs fan and having small children is that you have to divide the games between you, unfortunately. So I didn't get to go and I missed quite a lot of it. And he came home and just like, that's that's the best game I've seen for at least a year. It was amazing. I feel so good. The crowd were incredible. All the players were up for it. And I was a bit like, oh, just why couldn't they have done that? Why could we not have all done that against Arsenal? Mm. But actually what I'd forgotten is obviously we didn't, we didn't have Bentoncourt, of course. Yeah. And I do... We, we've spent so much time talking about Bentecourt and how vital he is that it seems sort of weird that then I forgot that he didn't play and was like, we should have still done, we should have been able to do everything without him. And it has obviously made a massive, massive difference him coming back into the side. If, you know, he seems to have made Hoybier remember who he is as well. Mm. Like, 
I thought it was a bit silly that Hoybier got man of the match, but just because I, he was he was terrific. Come on, though. you can't give it to but you I, you can't really give it to anyone but Kane. But then we also all gave it to Emerson on social media. Yeah. Apparently, so. Emerson, Emerson got the like <laughs> that's fan, fine. The fans the fan, yeah. the fan vote, um, which I talk, a classic I, Tottenham thing of not giving enough love to Harry Kane. Yeah, if we weren't all sort of uh, overexcited about Harry right now, you'd think like, oh, yet again, we haven't <laughs> given Harry enough love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we found a way somehow yeah, to underplay his achievements. Two different yeah. Man of the Match awards go elsewhere. <laughs> 55% of the votes went to Emerson. So, uh, uh, word for Hoybier, you're right. Mm-hmm. To, another, like, another man we've defended on this pod. Yeah, we yeah. have. Yeah, we've, absolutely. Yeah, we've uh, hit out against the um, Hoybier truthers before. Um, uh, yeah, he was he was superb. And you're right, though. Bentancourt does make him m- much better. But yeah, it was a brilliant battling performance from him. On the Just back to Emerson very briefly. It was only three weeks ago that I was at the Portsmouth game at White Hart Lane <laughs> where he was audibly getting booed and... It was like I was so embarrassed to be mm. around fans that were booing him and making the sort of subbing, trying to get him subbed when he went down briefly injured. Um, or he was down very briefly. Yeah, that was all so embarrassing. So, like, never boo your own player. Look, like, look at that performance against City. It's mad. You couldn't couldn't give up on him at all. And um, one other thing on the talking about having Benson call back, we had actual strength in depth on like our bench. Before the game, the, again, like some kind of mad Spurs irony, for once we had options on the bench and we didn't actually need them. This was <laughs> the like, mad thing. Like, you know, you the three players that I think everyone was most excited about seeing on the weekend were probably what, Porro, Richarlison and uh, Danjuma. Not one of them get on the pitch because they weren't really required. And that's that's kind of mad. And it does... You know, you talk about that Arsenal game, Rosa, and you think back to, you know, that bench was just, there was nothing on it. You know, they had to play Saar in central midfield and Kulisevsky was clearly not, you know, 20% fit, let alone 100% fit for that one. You know, if they can keep it together now with that squad staying fit and they can stay as focused as they looked on Sunday, you know, if if we really only have to go up against Newcastle properly to get fourth, if we're thinking that, you know, Chelsea is maybe one of their weird seasons and the new signings aren't going to get it together soon enough and Liverpool just seem to be balmy right now. You know, I, I fancy us. I fancy us for top four. I think, I think we've got it in us. And if we can keep these guys together, and as we've said before on other episodes, you know, if Sonny can give us something like his old self, which I think there are flickers coming back now and Richarlison can actually score a league goal at some point and Danjima can can contribute and Poros is, even if Poros is sort of half as good as he's been billed, you know, this is, this is looking quite good all of a sudden from, you know, what, a week, 10 days ago when it was, oh, well, Conte's going to be gone and we need to be planning for, you know, Poch's return and just... The roller coaster that is Tottenham Hotspur is just unrelenting. Um, if we can, if we can beat that City team, we can beat anyone. And, we, and when you were talking about the um, sort of worry of playing City, and like Rosa asking if we were sort of calm, and we very much weren't calm. They, <laughs> they, they brought on like my main worry was that De Bruyne to bring on, and we kept him very quiet as well, yeah. which was amazing. Your man, the centre backs were all very good, but your man, uh, Gentle Ben, as well, Rosa, Ben Davis, 
again had his best game in forever. I think it was a day for the underdogs, really, wasn't it? Sort of Listen, Real, don't, don't and write ben. that man off. Don't 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 write write that uh, lovely dragon off. <laughs> there was a moment in the first half where he sort of tore into about three city players in around two point eight seconds. It was just. He he was playing like a man possessed. He was absolutely brilliant. It was his best game for I can't remember as long. And he nearly scored. He was he was terrific. He was yeah, really, can you really, really me good. Through, talk me through his chance because I don't feel like they showed it on match of the day. So I'm just going to need mean, a little bit more detail. It was a, it, just a header. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it was a Perisic corner from the right, swung in one of those near near post mm. sort of routines. He got his head on it, went over the bar. It wasn't that close. <laughs> I shouldn't. Probably overplaying it slightly. It wasn't really spoiled it for me. Yeah, Um, (laughs) but I feel like we could have we could have been like three nil up, right? Yeah, I mean, Kane was sort of in on goal. Two crazy chances that on another day there was that really great Perisic ball across the face that Kane sort of just missed, sort of Gaza Euro '96 style. and all, all these, all the while, when these chances go begging, you're like, oh, well, there you go. That's it. They're going to go at the other end now. But you know, I think we saw really why a lot of people are talking about City with Haaland being, you know, him being a sort of a ridiculously like luxury issue for them. In that, you know, he's obviously amazing. He's a great goal scorer, but I don't think he's made them any better. In fact, I think he's taken away from how they press. I think he's, you know, they were saying on match of the day too who I actually thought the punditry on that was excellent. I thought uh, Nada Manua was, was really good. Um, just about how they don't, they just don't play balls over the top for him or into the channels or anything like that. So he's forced to play sort of back to goal the whole time. And I think we saw Romero getting his first booking on 25 minutes, just going through the back of him when he got a ball played up. I think from that point on, he was taking a little look every time he did receive the ball with his back to goal in case Romero was about to, t- to take him out again, which is very much part of the Christian Romero experience, I suppose. That's what he likes to do with defenders. And most of the time, he then doesn't get a second yellow. But he did, but we'll forgive him this time. It doesn't matter. We'll take it. He was yeah. always he was always going to get a red in a big game. Yeah. And on like in like the 88th minute yeah, in a game we won. So doesn't low. matter. Doesn't matter. And you're uh, right. I think he did. I think he did kind of put the wind up Harland, really. Mm. Who kind of was is already having a weird time of it in City. It hasn't been this sort of procession. It's insane. Like in he scored 25 he scored, goals. And yet, yeah. like, I think there's a very concrete case to be made that he is making them worse. Like with every passing week. He is making them worse, I think. Yeah, and it's not even him, isn't it? Because he's obviously, that match of the day punditry, like Anua was brilliant and so thoughtful and talking about how he was making all of these runs, but they're just, they're not giving the ball to him. He's mm. putting himself in like amazing positions and they're acting as if he's not there. They're kind of playing around him. And which they're is acting as... the opposite to how we play. Yeah. And that's, that's one other thing. When you were talking about Sonny earlier, having him back, something near to what he was last season just made me realize that I think is half the problem that people have had with Conte ball, because I I think he is so crucial to not just make it work, but to making it look exciting and be exciting. You're completely right. When he, when he, he's got the ball and he's just away and you know, everyone in the stadium and everyone watching is like something amazing is going to happen. And quite often it does. And he's so crucial to making our counters work, our, our transitions quick and lethal. And because he has just been a ghost, our play, our counters have been sort of weirdly stodgy. Mm. So having him back was just 
like if that if that is him back we could absolutely and there's no guarantee this is going to happen but we could absolutely go on a proper proper run now i mean how many times have i said that but, <laughs> you know it could totally happen it's true, you know, watching him dovetail, yeah, he's going to say just that, Tom, like him and Kulisevsky both sort of running with the wind in their hair, you know, going straight for defenders was was beautiful to watch because we just haven't, we haven't seen either of them sort of in tandem particularly all season because Kulu's been injured and Son's been a ghost and all the rest of it. Like we just haven't had those two playing the way that we know they can. And to have that plus Richarlison and Danjuma on the bench, you know, maybe even Lucas comes in and does something at some point. Who knows? But hopefully no. not. But, 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 but not. We know. No, 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 no. He could just be yeah. the sort of match day mascot guy <laughs> now, I think. Um, also, I read, uh, I think Harlan, that was the first game Harland hadn't had a shot in in three years. Since, well, I like, think, yeah, shot on target. Or, so, or yeah, yeah, I don't think he had a shot in the second half at all. Or he didn't, didn't have a touch in our box for the whole of the second half, I think I read. It's, and it's been like, yeah, three years, like some Bundesliga game. Um, yeah, so the entire team must have been doing something right to keep him quiet. Yeah, Greenish Dyer, was, Dyer was great with him. I would say uh, Eric yeah. Dyer had another another sort of mini redemption story. And, and we also I think... kept Grealish and Mares quiet and both of them have had their very good moments recently and didn't do much at all. Yeah, and I think um, Anua, talking about the match of the day too, punditry, did a really good job of highlighting how Eric Dyer was sort of bursting out of defence to press and almost joining Benson Clure and Hoybier as a sort of midfield line of press and, you know, really just leaving his station in a way that I don't really think we've seen him do. That seems like something very new tactically, which is quite exciting. I think it makes us more aggressive and it, you know, puts us on the front foot. So long may that continue. If it works against City, then it should work against, you know, the Leicesters of this world, you'd hope. It was fantastic to watch, wasn't it? And it also shows, I think, that the team has confidence back. They've got confidence because Anua very clearly was like, to do that, he has to have the confidence in the defence behind him, Mm -hmm. which we have not had. You could see it. There's been so much kind of panic in the ranks at times. So the confidence behind him, but also the confidence in front of him, which again, I think is so much to do with Benson Core coming back and Hoybier kind of remembering the kind of player that he can be. So it's just knowing that you can move forward, you can push up and people in front of you are going to be able to hold onto the ball and do something with it. And if it and if you lose it, people behind you can cover. You know, it's football so weird, man, isn't it? We've been kind of a mess for ages and now we look really good again. And half of me is like, is it just really simple? And they've just been kind of working on sensible defensive drills. But I also feel like we're just a mega emotional team, aren't we? You know, we need this sort of everything's in, you know, in the dust and our manager is having surgery and of rivals of you know we need to be really down don't we and then everybody's like and we're back <laughs> just and pick I think ourselves the Kane, up off the mat you think I we're think, dead we're not dead I think that Kane moment sort of captures that mm-hmm. beautifully because you know and we I think even on this episode we have gone nearly 20 minutes without talking about the man of the hour <laughs> I'm so sorry Harry Kane do you know I was looking I was doing some some research is a far too strong a uh, term for what I how I prepare for the podcast. But I was doing making some notes before we came on and was trying to think of ways in which I personally and we as a fan base sort of take Harry for granted and have done over the years quite ridiculously. 
he has won the same amount of Tottenham Player of the Year awards as Stephen Carr. That, to me, sort of captures just how ridiculous our relationship. I hate us sometimes, man. What's wrong with us? <laughs> and I know, I know Stephen Carr played through some lean times and was, you know, but ridiculous. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the weekend and that moment just says to Kane, well, do you know what? Like I've done everything I can now. Now I can leave, you know, in the summer with my head held high. I've got the record. Or maybe it just, you know, makes him double down on wanting to, you know, go that extra mile and stay. Whatever. I'm so, so just pleased that we all got that moment with him and that he had that moment with us as, you know, we were saying, thank God it wasn't in like a cup game away at Preston and he came on for the last five minutes and scored a fourth goal. And, you know, it's just some nothing moment. It was a, an incredible game in which to to break the record. And, you know, we held on for the win. It was lovely. The interview afterwards was really, really gorgeous. I loved that the players were there with him. I loved the message from Jimmy Greaves' son. I loved how Kane had all the players sort of jumping on top of him. Yeah, and then he like so threw cute. he threw them all off so that he could sort of very respectfully watch and listen to um to to Jimmy Greaves' son deliver the video message, which I thought was a lovely, very classy touch uh, from Harry, and that it reminded me that that he is just that right. He is just an incredibly classy dude. And Tom, you said to me afterwards, like, what an incredible person for you know young Spurs fans to have been able to look up to for all these years, and you know that the amount of shit that he gets for preposterous reasons when. He is just an upstanding, wonderful human being that we are so, so lucky to have be our sort of talisman and have, you know, have been for years. He sort of get yeah, he sort of gets stick for being uncool. But like, what do you want for, from your footballers? Uh, footballers who are kind of uh, flashy also, also get shit. And he's just like a very normal, down-to-earth guy. He's still with his childhood sweetheart, lovely Kate, who posted a really nice photo of them together and said that like he inspires her every day mm. um and yeah that the interview with Coity who, who gets some stick but I think he was the <laughs> he was the right man for the occasion he handled the interview very well it was like I was stood with you and it was genuinely emotional and I feel genuinely very lucky to have witnessed like his whole career like mm. he's, as he said in that interview he's been with us since I was 11 he was 11 and you know, fuck the Arsenal fans posting that photo of him when he was a kid. Like, get a, get a grip because he loves scoring against you. He scored against them so many times. Um, yeah, what, like, I feel genuinely privileged to have witnessed it all. I was there at his first game The uh, when he came on. Uh, no, did he start? He played, when he played against Hearts um, and we'd already thrashed them uh, away. So... We could uh, we could rest people, um, yeah. And I remember thinking, who's this lad? Uh, he didn't he didn't score in that one, did he? But um, yeah, to have seen it all and seen probably you know been to ninety percent of his home games at White Hart Lane, like consummate professional and just a ma- like a magical footballer, genuinely. What I really love about yesterday as well is, you know, we do, we are we are a, a club of moments and when we get a perfect moment man we really get it don't we like city just the one but also even the fact there was just a one nil that he just got the goal that he needed and and that's and there was nothing else going on no other goals to celebrate just him 
just his moment. And I feel as well, it makes a lovely kind of bookend, I guess, to the home game against City last season where he didn't play. And I remember you guys Mm. all talking, because obviously he wanted out and fair enough, Nuno, Conference League, all that chaos. And I remember you guys talking about the atmosphere, them being amazing, but it was a, is a real it had a completely different vibe that day wasn't it It was very much like i mean we, we were chanting we are, are you watching harry kane it was like yeah. you could not have imagined a, a bigger turnaround really exactly and it's just so that says something about our club and about football in general and you just you know you never know what's going to happen next but you can kind of always count on harry kane to just be an amazing player and an amazing human being really and I just I feel sad that I wasn't there but it sounded like it was just pure love in the stadium it was the closest I've felt to um when White Hart Lane sort of went and those kind of real soppy and we're very good at soppy at Spurs we all know that we're a sentimental old bunch of idiots and we love all that you know pomp and ceremony and you sort of talk of one of our own and everything. And you're right, Tom, like Coity was exactly the right guy to to do that, do that interview. And it was lovely to see Harry sort of quite vulnerable and exposed. And actually, you know, I think it all caught up with him a bit. I think he's he seems like he's very good at um, you know, putting these records sort of to the back of his mind and just concentrating on the next game, etc. But I think there was there's some nice shots of him after he scored the goal and the graphics came up on the screen and you can see him sort of taking it in. And I don't imagine he was prepared for, for that. I, I doubt anyone told him that the club were going to do anything like that. And you could just see, he was just beaming, wasn't he? And it was amazing. And what a lovely day. Like you're right, Rosa, we are a club of moments and that is a moment I will cherish. I don't think it matters if you were there or not, because he's been our guy for, you know, all this time. And, We've all just, you know, stood by him, even, you know, the sort of dark hours of the the Nuno summer and all the rest of it. Like, fine, some of us didn't stand by him and some people, I, you know, friends of mine, some of them, you know, maintain that they won't ever quite think of him in the same way after that or that whole thing. But he's he's our guy. He's our guy. You know, even with the England stuff in the World Cup, you know, I think we all felt that so keenly and we felt for him so enormously and we defended him and you know, he's our dude. And I think he knows that now more than ever. And whether that has any bearing on his thinking going into the summer, I mean, I I think a lot will depend on how we play in the next sort of 17, 18, maybe more games, but um, it has just been a privilege and it's just been such a long time as well. Like I was, I was thinking about, I'm going to ask you guys in a minute for your sort of fave Harry moments, but you know, the sort of first time I remember just really falling for him properly was that first North London derby in the first Poch season where he scored the two goals, you know, the header from the Bentaleb cross sort of towards the end of the, the 90. And, you know, that was that was eight years ago. I mean, this podcast is probably coming out on the Tuesday. So that was eight years ago when you're listening today. Like eight years. I mean, that's insane. 2015. Like, and, you know, it's mad to think that he made his debut like, three seasons before that and he had this sort of weird stilted start where 
you know, he was still, he made his debut like wearing Puma kits and, you know, Harry Redknapp was around and it's, it's bonkers how long it took him to get into the team. And the journey he's been on is just extraordinary. And please just, just win him a cup. Like just the FA Cup this season, Tottenham, come on, like, or, you know, the Champions League would be nice as well, but maybe just the FA Cup. If the I'm... Champions League would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any moments for you guys that, I mean, that that Arsenal one for me, I was looking at old photos and was just like, God, that was a great day. And, you know, you just knew at that point, okay, he's he's going to be our, our fella now. What, what moments for you really stand out? Rosa. Yeah, I had the I had the celebration um sort of huddle from that game as my like um computer wallpaper for about well, probably up until about yesterday, let's be honest. <laughs> I should probably find it again. At the moment it's my kids. I'm like, I'm changing that. Sorry, kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all of them. It was like him and Ryan and Benzeleb and Andros and Danny Rose, I think, just in that like glorious like huddle of joy. That moment uh, for me. Yeah, I was kind of going back over it and and watching some of that mental compilation that Spurs put out earlier. That's like all of his goals, and even without replaying any of them, the whole thing is like it's forty five minutes. It's mad. It's insane. So, um, but the one, but the ones for me, I think, is that is the Chelsea game, like earlier that season on New Year's Day when he scored two goals and really kind of dragged that whole Chelsea defence around, but um, but like specifically Gary Cahill that day. And just really that for me, because that was such a glorious day and it really was the moment where I was like, oh my God, this guy is properly for real. Because And it's so interesting watching the goals back because you didn't know at the time, but they are like iconic Kane-style mm. goals, both of them, because one of them he just makes from nothing, like it shouldn't happen, but because he's so strong and determined, suddenly the ball's in the back of the net. And then the other... And the finish as well for that goal. That, yeah, like, the, that kind of arched into the corner, yeah. low across the keeper, that's just such yeah, a and then, goal. And the other one is just him kind of doing that amazing sort of turn thing that he does. And then again, the ball's in the back of the net. But what I had also forgotten is that he wins the penalty... But then he doesn't take the penalty at that point, which is also really hilarious, is Andros. Who um, misses, right? And Danny no, Rose no, no, scores. He scores. Oh, he no, scores. No. Yeah, no, you're completely Danny right. Danny yeah. Rose's moment is when Danny Rose, that's an also, that's a quintessential Danny Rose moment where he scores a goal while being taken out completely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a game where everybody gets a, a time to shine. But um, yeah, he wins the penalty. And so, you know, this by that time, by that point, you know, six months later, he would have obviously taken the penalty and scored a hat trick. But you just realise, like in that watching it back, he's already complete. You know, even though he's since then kind of added so many more dimensions to his game. Already there, he he is, and I sort of feel like that about Kane as a person, even though he's kind of developed. He's, he's kind of come out of his shell and he's had to do so much media training and especially being England captain and we've kind of launching his foundation. But I always feel like he was always that man, you know? Mm. He's gone on a journey with us, but I feel like he was always just, he's the man he always was. He's the, he's the player he always was. We just all had to kind of see it in our own time, I guess. Mm. And the only other moment is not really, a, it doesn't really fit because it's not actually a Spurs moment. But I remember when he, scored in his debut for England and like after like a minute and I remember that day just feeling really proud like he was my child I didn't have children <laughs> yeah. then but I felt like I think I probably cried 
just feeling like my guy he's look look at him he's doing it and couldn't have known then what would happen but that is a feeling that I've always had about Kane that I think we all have we're so proud of him man Mm. like he's our guy we cherish him we uplift him we love him and we forgive him his like one ridiculous understandable trespass which is nothing we don't care about it you know because he's the king man he's our king I can't, um, I can't better Rose's memories, really. Those are the North London, all the North London derby goals, obviously, the mask one. Um, and, yeah, we asked uh, listeners, Billy's not here, so I think I'm going to take rolling in the tweets. We asked uh, on Twitter for your favourite Harry goals and moments. Um, perhaps the one I've forgotten that I love to, to kick us off was... Um, Caroline Stefko, our friend Caroline, uh, said the goal against Leicester where he's falling over, which oh. I've totally forgotten. It's such a beautiful that goal. Ga- that's such an annoying goal in the sense that that was like one of the games that finished Poch off, I think. Because we lost that game, didn't we? We sort of, I think yeah. that put us one goal up and then we we lost. But just... A- <laughs> He's falling over. He somehow still puts it in the back of the net. You will never see a goal like it, ever. There there are so many beautiful Harry goals, but there's also (laughs) some where you're like, like, did he mean that? How did that go in the back of the net? Um, Billy, who couldn't make it tonight, loves the uh, COVID uh, Palace goal. No no fans in the stadium, but from uh, just outside the box, beautiful hit that. Um, Spurs Simpsons, Tottenham Simpsons says... His first ever versus Shamrock Rovers. Uh, Rose's Ollie said, booting the ball into the stand from an obvious offside position to waste time at Old Trafford, followed by him somehow spitting on himself. Again, quite a Harry moment that. Our guy, our guy. <laughs> our guy just spits on himself. Can't even spit. So proud, so proud. <laughs> so proud he spat on himself. Koizmeister uh, 2000 said, uh, scoring a hat-trick, then having a go in goal against uh, Asterisk in Europe, a moment so Spurs, I knew he was truly one of our own. (laughs) That's wonderful, that moment, because it's just, again, speaks to the man where he was like, okay, sure, I'll do it. And like the like, the goal that he the goal that he conceded was so embarrassing as well. Yeah, but it's just sure. like, but he's the yeah. only one who what who said, yeah, okay, absolutely, goal, you yeah, know? yeah. So totally. He was like twenty two. Yeah, I wonder if he would do that now, like because obviously he was a kid back <laughs> no, then and he, he wasn't a senior. Now, no, he totally no. would like he'd make like Ben Davis do it or something, wouldn't he? <laughs> I think I think I think, I think Hoy Hoy would do it. Oh, of course, Pierre would. Yeah, who's least likely to out of the current team? Sunny. Yeah, he's not got a beautiful. Like, he has know, a beautiful face to protect. He doesn't, That's... you know, it's, it's, he's not lacking in courage. He would just be like, I just don't think it would occur to him. <laughs> Richarlison in goal could be quite fun. We've already had one mad Brazilian. He would get sent off, wouldn't he? He yeah. would. He would do a um, Gazaniga against Chelsea and just sort of karate kick someone. We've had mental um, Herilio Gomez in goal. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Andreas G said uh, 2015 versus Chelsea. No right to score from there, and he spanks it bottom left. Uh, Tim's moment, uh, sock formation, uh, was one thing that really sticks out in my mind was an early post-match interview with Poch where he was asked how much longer he can hold back starting Kane and he just shook his head, laughed and said, not long. I don't think any of us imagined how many goals he'd score. Uh, Very true. Uh, Pat says every single Harry Kane bum slide. 
Oh, uh, you don't you don't see the bum slide so because much because he saves it. He saves it for the really big moments, doesn't he? I like, think there was there was one in know. the World Cup, was there not? I yeah. feel like there was a bum slide in the World Cup. Yeah. That's when you know it means the most to him. Yeah. Um, Elliot Rogers said the second penalty at Anfield after missing the first, Lamella being fouled, the Poch celebration, Gary Neville going mad on commentary. Perfect. Is that was that there? You can't give me two goes. Yeah. Yeah, when you miss the, yeah. I love that moment. Um, Alan said his two goals at Chelsea in his breakthrough season, which we talked about. Uh, Dominic said the winner versus Arsenal in the 14-15 season. Bentaleb's cross. Charlie's talked about that one. Um, yeah, Nicholas uh, Nick said, remember watching Spurs TV on YouTube because Joe Pritchard was in one of the training clips. He went to my school and seeing Kane score a beauty. Remember comments saying he should play. Uh, Barcelona Spurs said when he looked down the camera at Anfield, smiled and said, you can't give me two, two tries, <laughs> as, as you were just saying. Uh, and yeah, Tom... Uh, a different Tom, not me. His performance against City last season uh, away was probably his best supporting performance as well and getting two goals on top, plus the narrative. Yeah, he was unbelievable in that City. Mm. I know we're like we're in Pep's head, aren't we? But that City away game last season, he was ridiculous. That was pure revenge, wasn't it? I think yeah. that performance. That yeah. was why the hell did you not make a Grealish side offer, sized offer for me? That was, yeah, I mean yeah. sidebar. They like it's it's like watching Grealish is just is so silly. What I mean, I'm sure he will eventually become an amazing player for City, but they should have spent the money on Kane. I'm glad they didn't, but they should have done. Yeah, um, Simon mentioned the mask being ripped off versus Arsenal. Uh, Stephen uh, Logue said, "My favourite Harry Kane goal is v Burnley. He scored an absolute rocket to make it two 0 Oh, the same, it's the same game as uh, Son's Puskas uh, winning winning uh, goal, obviously. Some great goals in that game. There was uh, Sizoko scored a blinder as well. I seem to remember that one. No, he didn't. He did. <laughs> he did. Look it up. It's a great goal. I'm going to. It's a really uh, good goal. <laughs> final two. Dave Scott said it's probably the penalty in the last North London derby at the lane. Uh it was the worst day of my life, but I was so grateful for the small ver- mercy of that. Victory. Oh, Dave. Dave, sorry. Um, we won't go into, we won't ask questions. Uh, and Gav Lee Wilkinson said, uh, second goal versus Stoke at home when he got a hat-trick. I think it was the last season at the Old White Hat Lane. Difficult volley on his weaker foot outside the box, directly from a corner. Just a brilliant goal that only a few players could pull off, which again, I think sums up the man. So many goals of those 267 that not many other strikers or not many other players could pull off. Do you and guys feel... recognised for that either. I th- that's the sort of thing, like, we know, it is, it's true that there are, that only he can do that or he's one of very few. But a- again, I feel like that's something that people don't that talk about with Kane, even, mm. even now. And even some of his headers, you're like, how's he, for, like, mm. he scored the most ridiculous headers. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, and, the, you know, as we mentioned, the goal where he's falling over and he still still scores. The um the header he scored, remember when we beat Arsenal at Wembley 1-0, the first North London derby at Wembley in the sort of pouring rain, freezing cold. I think that was a January fixture. 
That was an amazing header. And he was, he's so good at sort of using his body to clamber over defenders in a way that somehow isn't a foul, but just he gets what he needs to sort of lift himself up. Just an amazing centre forward. And I think, you know, all he's missing now for us is a moment in a final, isn't he? I think that's the one thing that we all need from him is that goal, you know, a winning goal in a cup final and that's him sorted and he's he's off in terms of like, I don't think anyone could touch him. I think he just needs that one classic iconic moment in a cup final or, you know, obviously to win us the league would be the best sort of, but I don't think we're going to get there just yet. But come on, this season Spurs, please do it for Harry. Think what he's done for us over the years. We deserve this. He deserves this. Um, it was interesting watching that video, actually, because there's quite a few occasions where it's like, and Kane gets Spurs back in the game. <laughs> so he's literally done it for us so many times. There are a lot of his goals, yeah, where like we mentioned that Leicester one coming in a defeat. I mean, that Wolves one at Wembley, which is maybe one of his best goals for Spurs, was a lot of goals where he'd sort of dragged us back into the game or given us the lead for Spurs to then just capitulate and throw away very decent positions. So... We owe him. We owe him big time. I think it's going to happen this season. Do you know what? I believe. I think we're going to get some. I think I think we're going to get some silverware this season. Rose has been just... banging the cup drum for a while. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, we should talk briefly about Leicester as we play Leicester. And thank you, of course. We should say thank you for all the, like, there were tons of Kane tweets and we, we love reading them all. And thank you always ever so much for contributing the show wouldn't be what it is without you guys joining in and we really do appreciate it um but yeah we should talk about Leicester um who we play on the weekend we uh travel to a Leicester team that have just won they just beat Villa 4-2 on the weekend um a really bonkers game actually I just watched the highlights and some mad defending all around um that was their first league win, though, since before the World Cup. Uh, they beat West Ham away in October, um, or November, rather. And they've not won at home in the league since the 20th of October when they beat the now-sacked Jesse Marsh's Leeds 2-0. Um, so they've not been great, but they have made some improvements to the team. Uh, they signed three players in January. They signed Tete, the Brazilian winger, who arrived from Shakhtar via Leon and scored against Villa. They've got um, Harry Sutar, that massive Aussie centre-back from Stoke who had a solid World Cup. And Victor Christensen, who's come from FC Copenhagen and made his first start, a left-back on the weekend to rave reviews, apparently. However, we should be beating Leicester away. Like, uh, I'm like weirdly confident about this one. I think we're going we're gonna to win quite handsomely. Quite crucially, though, they've got Madison back as well, haven't they? That's my that's my main issue because he is a player I really like and would love at Spurs. Um, but you're right; they've been generally they've been pretty terrible. They needed badly needed reinforcements, um, but they could they could go down this season. They've been really bad. So yeah, let's do it. Let's <laughs> I mean, Romero, it. Romero out. Obviously, we you know we spoke briefly about you take that red card all day long. He was always coming. It's amazing that's his first one in the league. However, the reality is that we always do look worse in defence when he's not there. And I imagine Sanchez comes in and that sort of three clean sheets in a row. Although Dav did play against Preston, I shouldn't take away one clean sheet from him. 
we're you know we're not going to look as good both defensively and I think crucially when Romero doesn't play we don't look as good bringing the ball out from the back as well and our sort of build up play suffers a little bit but I you know we're we're also quite staunch Dav defenders uh, I'm looking at you Rosa here so can you tell me that it's going to be okay and that Dav's going to have a good game please it's going to be totally fine and Dav is going to be totally fine maybe not 100% fine <laughs> He will always have his moments um, and I will always be watching him as if he is my child being like, oh my God, please don't embarrass me on, you know, the big stage. Um, I think, I think we'll be okay. I, because even if that right side is become slightly more wobbly defensively, it could also be time for Poro to make his debut and kind of give them some trouble going forward as well. Mm-hmm. And the last time we played Leicester, Sonny got a hat trick. So, and the time before that, Berg Berg fine scored his two goals. Yeah, mm. so you know we've got we've done all right against them in the last couple of games. Look, you know if we can't, then just again let's not bother. Really, I mean it it could be the sort of classic thing like we did last season where we had an amazing result against City and then we like promptly went out and lost to Burnley. Right, mm. and Conte had his like infamous meltdown. You would hope we're not going to do that again. Really, who knows? <laughs> I feel like this. I feel like this team, even with Romero out, is more than capable of getting a decent result. At I Leicester. think. I think one thing this game is is the real acid test for whether or not we're legit. I think if we are, then we go to Leicester and we take care of business and we keep on rolling and the season's really back up and running again. If we are just this sort of weird flaky team that can get up for City at home, but then rolls over for a very mediocre Leicester team then we should probably forget all about doing anything serious but I I feel confident there was just something about us on the weekend that really did remind me of that run-in form last year where they just looked fully focused they looked locked in everyone just knew what they were doing and yeah and I think I think the signings we've made are going to help as well and maybe you know this is a game for Poro I think probably Royale starts after the weekend but Perhaps it's the sort of game where he comes on and starts sort of causing mayhem and gives us a completely different option. And and I still think I still think um, uh, uh, Dan Juma can. I think he's going to have some moments this season. I just got a feeling that he's one of those weird sort of confidence guys that is just like really full of it in a good way, and is just going to come on and nick a few goals and turn a few games for us. Maybe. Oh, yeah. And I don't. I don't know how. Because obviously the last time we played them, they like they were extremely chaotic defensively, and but so were we. And I don't know if their reinforcements will have made them kind of more organised, or you know, I I assume they will have done. But at the same time, we seem to have all of our forwards fit. We've added a forward. I think you know we've also got Richarlison mm-hmm. to play. So we got a lot that should terrify a relegation yeah. threat team, basically. It's nice to finally have options, isn't it? And I think you're right. Like, surely Royale will start, Emerson will start, and but Poro hopefully will come on, like come on on sixty minutes or seventy minutes or something, and cause problems and have it. Yeah, Dan Juma. We need to see Dan Juma and Richarlison as well, really, don't we? Um, oh, we have. I forgot. We've got. A, I was at the six-three when Song came on, and it was a very, very fun game, if not like calm. Uh, but we've got a history of absolutely chaotic games against them, haven't we? Because I forgot about another game I was at, the final game at Wembley in the in that season, the final game of the season. 
the five the mad five four against another amazing Kane goal, the the fifth goal for that, where he yeah. did that sort of fake but and curled it in the corner. We seem to just forget how to defend against them, clearly. Mm. Um so it should be interesting. I mean, it would be very us to not concede against City and then go and like <laughs> let Leicester score four or something. And I guess the you know the the big sort of question mark is whether or not Conte is back. Um, there haven't hasn't been too much chat early in the week on, on Monday about whether or not he is back from Italy or he'll be ready to take up his place on the touchline. I'm not sure, but. Don't rush it, Antonio. Like, don't make yourself more ill. Um, you're clearly in good hands. You know, we spoke briefly about lovely Christian and what a soothing presence he seems to be. How how nice are his interviews, by the way? Like, he just I has that him, like man. lovely Italian uncle vibe to him, doesn't he? I feel very secure with him, and I also really like the way he did refer to Conte basically being an emotional maniac. He was like, <laughs> he's recovering. We don't, you know, he gets quite stressed out before games and we don't think he, like he basically said, we don't think he needs that. So he's at home <laughs> recovering. You, you can imagine his lovely wife, uh, like he's back in Italy and him, him saying, I've put uh, EasyJet flight uh, back for the game and his wife going, and she's like, know, no, you are not going anywhere, you psycho. I'm just sad that um, we don't get Conte Cam live from his, like, Milan sort of mansion like I would have I'd pay I'd pay Spurs pay another like 40 quid just to watch him sort of prowling around his beautifully sort of architecturally designed living room just like smashing Venetian vases and just like hurling beautiful glasses of red wine at walls like just the full works he he must be unbearable at home to watch like to, to watch you his team on telly. Probably just like, I actually do want you to go back to work now because <laughs> I, I don't need you here. <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring our daughter. You have to stop. Um, yeah, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be back, but I've, I feel less stressed about it now. I also, uh, they mentioned on the telly over the weekend that Stellini stood in for him when he was serving a three-match ban in Italy and he won all three games that time as well. So he's got played five, won five when he stands in for Conte because obviously um, he was there for the Marseille game, which is arguably our two best moments of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We found the real power behind the throne. I think we might have done. <laughs> Take as long as you need, Antonio. It's absolutely fine, mate. Just, just relax. Just relax. Just aside from anything else, you know, I think it's now that we finally, obviously, Romero's suspended. That's annoying. But aside from him, we've basically got everybody back now, right? And I feel like that's really exciting. And we've got a lot of fun players, yeah, to watch. So results are important, but actually, it'll just be fun to see everybody. And they're all they all look fit again as well. I think that's the mm. thing. Like we've seen players. Obviously, the World Cup was just a really odd thing where, you know, players were probably, if we're being entirely honest, not giving 110% in the run into the World Cup. Then they came back and they were all a bit sluggish and had injuries and we've had to cope with that. So now they seem to have, and I think, Rosie, you you touched on it, it is really, really annoying that the sort of, (laughs) that they bottomed out in a North London derby at home and that from that point on, they've decided to get their shit together. But they do now seem to have got their shit together. They do all now seem to have shaken off their injuries. They're back in the flow. And they seem to have had that big chat after the Arsenal game, which has prompted, you know, them getting said shit together. So fingers crossed. Um, I want some predictions for Leicester, please. Tom, prediction? 
I know you hate me asking these things. I do hate you doing predictions. I know you but do. After me saying uh, like the chaos, I'll go three-one. Uh, Spurs. Three-one Spurs. Yeah, let's okay. say that. Less, uh, you're not called Lester, you're called Rosa. Rosa, your Lester prediction. I'm not, God, how dare you? <laughs> Just immediately flouncing. Um, I was going to go 3-1 as well, actually, but I won't. I'll go 2-1 because it will just be tense. 3-1's not stressful tense enough. Tense enough. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 4-2 to Spurs. I think it's going to be another weird, balmy game. I think that... I do worry a little bit without Romero, um, and I think we'll we won't look because I think Leicester will give us more of the ball. I think they won't. We won't. It won't be similar to City in the sense that we'll, you know, have room to counter quite as much. I think Leicester will allow us possession a bit more. So I think we might be a bit shaky and vulnerable to people like Harvey Barnes and that Tete guy running at us. But we're going to win. We I think we've got goals coming out of us now, sort of here, there, and everywhere. I'm really confident. Third top goal scorers in the league. Like, yeah. it's actually crazy, given that, like, one of our, well, like, two of our forwards have not really scored at all. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to run yeah. at them as well. This is, you know. Yeah, this is this is the teams. thing. They're going to run at us. We're going to run at them. And I feel like now, because, now, fits, because, uh, <laughs> because Hoybier and Bentacur are back in it and they're back in the zone, I feel a lot happier about teams letting us control possession because I think we can actually keep the ball better and keep things moving and move it quickly. So, yeah, I'm I'm confident. Um, let's move on. Um, I, I, I was going to say to a slightly more miserable thing, Spurs, Spurs women losing to Chelsea women isn't necessarily the end of the world that unfortunately the defeat on Sunday was the 12th consecutive defeat against them, um, which is quite miserable, but it was three, two. And um, I watched the second half uh, before I went out to meet Tom in the pub for the Spurs men's game. And I think basically Rosa sort of quality, one out in the end, right? It was just that extra cut above that they are. But I saw a lot of positive signs. And first I want to talk about Beth England because she is clearly, you know, the fundamental thing that we've spoken about for as long as we've been doing this podcast. And and when we've spoken about Spurs women is not having someone to put the ball in the back of the net. We have one of the very best poachers, one of the very best front women in the game now, I think. And that's a huge positive. I'm amazed at how good she is, to be honest. I can't, well, she's it's got three in four and I, got, I, I love her. I love her so much, man. I just think she's absolutely amazing. I can't believe how exactly what we needed she is and how much she's just kind of gone and, and done it. And I really feel like if we'd been able to get her at the beginning of the season, things would look completely different, actually, because she would she's done for us basically what Rachel Daly's done for Villa, I think. And because obviously it shows as well that we've been making chances mm. and we've just had, we just haven't had anyone to put them away. So I, the, it's a shame you only saw the second half actually, because I think we were probably better in the first, barring the first. Actually, you know, we didn't even start. Well, we couldn't really get out of our half in the first 10 minutes. So, <laughs> all right, fine. But it wouldn't, it didn't look that terrifying. And then the, the goal that we gave away to go one nil down was 
infuriating because actually it was just it was terrible defending off a corner and it's you know not like I haven't seen that a million times across various Tottenham teams but you could see you could see it was coming because I was like they're not they're just standing around there's literally no organization at this corner they're just there is they are going to score from here and obviously they did so it was infuriating but then they sort of got their act together and I think the equalizer sort of came out of nowhere but was also kind of you know not undeserved because it was a fantastic move and we like Ash Neville did brilliantly um kind of press and get the ball to Drew Spence who then just kind of laid it on for Bethany England to just kind of like she just sort of moved in between Millie Bright and the other Chelsea defender whose name I forget just suddenly in space just to put it away with under you know just out of nowhere so it was a it was a really really good move but then we just sort of faded again I think in the Mm. second half really and I think you know, Chelsea, obviously, their individual quality is is there. You can, and it and it did tell. Um, but also, they've just been doing this for so much longer at this level. And I think it honestly looked to me, if we could just, if there was more investment almost in the kind of fitness and, and also in kind of extra coaching, like extra defensive coaching, I think there's so much there to work with because actually the players that we've got now seem to be working much better together. And there are players who have a lot of potential, like some, you know, so Beth England is obviously the finished article. That's, mm. that's fine. That's brilliant. And Ash Neville is playing at the top of her game. Drew Spence, I feel could use, like, I think she could be better than she currently is. And, and somebody like Celine Bizet, I think as well, has a lot of potential, is super fun to watch, but it's quite sloppy. But she also, like, she caused quite a bit of chaos mm. down her side. So th- I feel like, I feel quite positive about it because actually I think we could have snatched a draw had we been able to kind of keep our energy levels up. Yeah. And and also just basic things, like I think we were a bit too timid, actually. So Laura James scored a brilliant individual goal. Um, which you've probably seen where she just kind of waltzes through our entire defense but actually you know she probably would have scored it but nobody gets close to her Mm. nobody tackles her at all or even tries to tackle her so it's that sort of you know like our our girl Jenna was on a half time saying I want Tottenham to be more aggressive and it was like we weren't more aggressive we were less aggressive and that's that's not necessary actually even when you're playing another team that is, you know, objectively much better than you, you can still kind of get tight to them. You know, you can still just, you know, do a Romero on Haaland. It doesn't really matter who you are. Like that can still happen. I'm not saying you try and injure somebody, but you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dad. I know he'd be, he's like listening to this appalled right now. I just mean, you know, you can get, you, you can get much closer to them than we were. So and That's I wonder if that is a fitness thing because yeah, watching probably. this, and I like I said, I only saw the second half, but it definitely felt like you know they were sort of running on fumes towards the end, and yeah. Chelsea were just sort of moving the ball around, and we were really struggling to get close and to press. But then we to, also got a goal kind of out of nothing, right yeah. towards the end with fresh legs again. So Karczewska came on, and within like five minutes, she scored a goal, and it was like it can be done, and if we can get, if we can. That, that result was much, much better, even though it was 3-2, it was still a defeat. It was just, it was a much more sort of gentle, 
it was it wasn't as hard to take as the sort of the kind of batterings we've taken against mm. Arsenal and also you know and actually Chelsea in the cup like yeah. the week before you know so we are we are definitely definitely improving I think they're just you know again there needs to be kind of more investment at all levels I think um but it can be done. I think there is a lot to work with there. There is a lot of fun. And if nothing else, man, we've got a couple of just brilliant, brilliant players who are amazing to watch. Like Ash Neville is back now and it's wonderful to see her. Mm. And Beth England is just just a pure joy. It's absolutely fantastic. So I think next week we're at, um, at stadium playing Manchester United. And then that will be quite scary because obviously they're challenging for the title this yeah. year. But, you know, based on the evidence, if it's almost like they just, if we could just get like a result of some description against one that's of these sides, I, I think say, that would be yeah. a game changer, actually. You know, that's what, six games in a row, six defeats in a row now. They yeah, just need to, know, they just need to happens. win, don't they? Like, they yeah. just need to, and, you or know. even like a battling draw, you know. Yeah, is, yeah. There's something to show that actually we can go toe-to-toe of these teams and it doesn't matter if they have kind of better players across the 11, you know, you can still do mm. it. And, you know, we've had a lot of injuries and they're still yeah. battling a ton of injuries at, at the club. And It's mad how long some of these players have been out, you know. I was looking yeah. out the other day and it's like, Kit Graham has like been out for like nearly two years or something mental. Rhea Percival's not due back for the rest of the season. You know, and these are like important players for us and it's mm. really like no team can really function like that. I don't think properly. Do you feel like they're, they're not going to, I mean, unless they just carry on losing and got inexplicably dragged into the sort of very bottom place relegation battle with, with Leicester, they're not, they're not going to, we're not going to do anything sort of rash with Rian Skinner, right? They'd probably just wait out to the summer and see what happens. I think so. I would be really sad to see her kind of, take the fall for what I don't necessarily think are problems of her making, to be honest. I think she's a very good coach and she's got a lot out of these players. Um, You know, it may be that another coach could get even more out of them, but I would, before that happens, I would like her to be given more to work with. I mean, it certainly felt to me and I'm, I'm no expert at all, but watching that group of, you know, you've obviously got the sort of Arsenal's and Chelsea's and the cities that, excuse me, that established three that have been there for a long time at the top of the the league. But it feels like United and Villa and you know, other teams in the sort of chasing pack that we were and are in really put their foot down in the summer and made the investments. And we're trying to catch up now with the, you know, Beth yeah. England's, et cetera. But it was the summer where we, you know, I remember us talking to Caroline about it. It felt like the players that they recruited were all sort of either solid or a bit speculative and maybe mm-hmm. ones for the future or they could turn out to be great, but they weren't sort of recognised stars or anything like that. And, you know, that plus injury plus a resurgent group of teams in and around us is going to leave you in a bit of a mess. And in that league, it feels like you can get left behind really quickly. Yeah, and I... I think it could still be fine because I think they've obviously reassessed the situation because we've got England and, um, oh my God, what's her name? Um, yeah, Yamabuchi from Yamabuchi, Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, who is very, very good. Um, so I think they've obviously realised that what they were doing wasn't quite yeah. right. So... 
they have changed course, I think. And also just looking at it, Everton were where we are last season. Like they had a lot of change, I think. Um, I'm not sure of the levels of their recruitment, but I know that there was quite a lot of change at that club. And they were expected, again, they were quite similar to us. They were expected to kick on and actually they went backwards. And now they seem to have improved again. So I feel like it is possible and and things can change quite quickly, but you have to be kind of, it feels to me like you you can adapt quite quickly in the women's game just because of the levels of money involved. You can probably be more nimble um, than you, than Mm -hmm. in the men's game. So I think, it is. I, I, I don't see us kind of going further backwards than this. I think they've obviously realised that actually you can't sort of you can't do it in the same way. You can't just be like, oh, maybe this will work and yeah, once yeah. for the future. Um, I think, yeah. I just I've got I've got quite a good feeling about it. Actually, I was quite gloomy for a while. Um, and maybe, but just because of that very simple thing of just having someone who can score goals and, mm. but also is because it just shows we make chances, which is pretty basic really. And I also, you know, and again, I also feel like that the defense is, is improving as well and is settling because that was, there was some sort of movement there as well. So I think it is all coming together is slower than I would like again, but I also, I feel the the injury thing is a massive problem and mm. that's a whole that's a bigger issue for the women's game. Just win a game, Spurs. Just win get, a game. Get yourself it's not, out it's of... probably not gonna happen next week, but we might get no. a draw. I feel like we could get a draw, to be honest. And maybe I'll be proved absolutely insane when we're like three nil down after twenty minutes or whatever. And hopefully but, it's a good crowd as well. I think that's the other thing. I think it will be, because I yeah. think people will want to see United as well. And I think yeah. that'll be yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a prediction actually for next for for next week. I think it's gonna be one all. Okay. Because I think I think England will score again for sure, and then, but almost certainly they will score at least one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go, well, first. that's it. One, no more. A cheat, a, a season changing one all draw. Yeah. We like it. We like it. Um, good stuff. I enjoyed that. Um, let's talk culture, guys, to round us off. Um, Tom. Could you please kick us off, please, with your cultural highlights of the week? Yeah, uh, only two quick things, really. Uh, there's a guy called Wesley Joseph, who mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, from Walsall, because he's mates with uh, Georgia, Georgia yeah. Smith, right? He's uh, kind of school friends with Georgia Smith from uh, the Midlands. Uh, there was that weird bit where Georgia Smith and Drake were extremely friendly, and Drake was spotted in Walsall co-op. Uh, he was like literally just buying some bags and a Mars bar from uh, co-op in, in Walsall. Uh, that just, co- was... just cosplaying a regular Walsall guy. Yeah, just cosplaying a, a lad from the Midlands, probably supports the baggies or something. Um, yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> anyway, this guy, Wesley Joseph, also from that that area, the the, the black country. Um, and he's got a new song called I've, I've gone down a weird Stop talking about Warsaw. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this, is the, no, this is the best intro ever. I'm like, absolutely like, a god to hear what's happening next. He just, he's just got a rap track out, basically. Yeah, he's got a new song called Hiatus, but um, everything I've heard of his, I've really liked. Um, it's kind of quite on the like melodic kind of R&B indie side of UK rap. 
Um, so that track's great. And then I've been watching Shrinking on Apple TV Plus, which is from the same team uh, as Ted Lasso. Uh, Spurs own Brett Goldstein is uh, one of the writers and execs, and I think a guy called Bill Lawrence who co-created Ted Lasso. And Scrubs. Um, oh, yeah, he's the Scrubs, Scrubs guy, isn't and he's, he? And he's uh, passed, that explains a lot. passed his wife in it as well, as he often does. Oh, has Which it? one's his, yeah. who's his wife? His wife is Krista... Is her name is her surname Lawrence as well? Can't remember. Okay. Oh, is she the neighbour? Maybe she's the neighbour. I'm not sure. Sydney. I just she's a um uh older woman, but who has had clearly had quite a lot of Botox. That's That'll, be the, That'll, That'll be, be the neighbour. That'll be the neighbour. That'll be the neighbour. Yeah. So Jason Siegel plays a shrink. Uh it's called shrinking. Uh and he's uh yeah, he's going through some stuff. And uh his uh treatment of his patients is quite weird. He's uh raising his daughter on on his own and he's got that neighbor who's kind of annoying him and Harrison Ford is his is his kind of boss and his uh psychiatrist um friend and Harrison Ford can really act he's very good at acting <laughs> who knew he's also <laughs> 81 and you immediately like shit how old is Harrison Ford is and he's he very funny and he's is very he still funny with Callista Flockhart I think so um, but you'll end up Googling this stuff. But yeah, his comic timing is brilliant and he's very, very good in it. Jason Siegel's good. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd recommend that. I think there's an Arcade Fire theme that's a little bit annoying. But apart from that, I'm really enjoying it. I think the music was my maybe only issue with that show. I, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing so far and it's a lovely thing to stick on and just sort of let wash over you. You don't have to try too hard, but it's nicely written. I think Jason Siegel is like incredibly underrated. I think he's always really, really likeable and warm and authentic. I just love him. Rose is pulling a face. Yeah, I know. That, I'm going to continue this. I, <laughs> I've, my wife always teases me because I'm weirdly obsessed with uh, Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt rom-com, The Five-Year Engagement, which I think is the single most underrated rom-com of like the last 20 I years. Need to see it. I don't no one's seen ever it. seen it. Like no one. And it's just like perfect. It's such a good rom-com. It like fulfills everything you want from every single sort of rom-com trope and box ticking exercise it's got a really good soundtrack the leads are just charming it's got a really good supporting cast Risa fans is in it uh it's got loads of really good people in it it's really great i don't know why i'm talking about the five-year engagement i just always end up talking about the five-year engagement people at work like constantly take the piss out of me for talking about the five-year engagement um but yeah i just love jason siegel why don't you like jason siegel rosa I've got okay, so with Jason Siegel, I've got like. Please a tell me you of, don't. Is there like? Is no, there, there's no. There's not been an incident, mm-hmm. is there? No, no, no. Don't worry. Bro. Just, uh, just breathe. Um, I've got a lot of residual affection for him from Freaks and Geeks, which I was going to say it's like one of your oh, shows. Yeah, and I, and obviously, so I can't, you know, not love anyone who is in that. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just now I find him slightly grating at times. He's been away for a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, maybe you heard that you found him grating. Maybe, and he was just like, "I'm just going to steer clear," and I'll only come back when I'm paired with Brett Goldstein. So I guess that works. Yeah, and um, Harrison. I want to give it yeah. a go. I want to give it a go. It seems pretty charming, really. And it's got Jessica Williams is in it as well, right? She's a delight. It's got a really so, good cast. Yeah, um, 
it's I, I like it I like it I'll definitely stick with it it's past I mean I the... feel like I need something that's gentle because none of my cultural stuff has been gentle at all lately so. yeah I think yes likewise um what watching you you guys watched After Sun um mm-hmm. recently as well right I feel like we need to wait for Billy because I know Billy's got big no strong spoilers, feelings about this. Okay, Tom, your your homework for this week is to watch mm-hmm. it, and then we can regroup next week and have a big old after sun. You've all yeah. you've discussion. scared you've all scared me though. Uh, and you do you do have I a daughter, be, yeah, and I I'm a total soft lad as well, so I will crumble. But um, you okay. will crumble. It's very. What do yeah. I do? Get a movie. Free trial. Or no, something. you can rent it. You can just rent it. Oh, okay. Uh, like a five run. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, the only thing that I will say about it is that genuinely, Ollie turns me afterwards and was like, and I was like, are you going to break up with me for having made you watch that film? And he was like, I'm very seriously thinking about it. I'm traumatized. So, you know. It is, it is. We watched it maybe 10 days ago and I've thought about it every day. I think it's like really, really stuck with me. Maybe that's just because like Paul Mezcal's everywhere and I'm just, you know, go onto Instagram and his face is there, but it's a really affecting film, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go into it next week. Um, Tom, was that, were those your picks? Shrinking and Wesley Joseph from That's Warsaw. me. I haven't That's been you. up to much really. <laughs> um, Rosa, what are yours? Yes, obviously I did after so much we'll talk about later. Um, Happy Valley finale. The last night. Um, yeah. Um, so if you haven't watched, Tom, are you ever going to watch Happy Valley or can we talk about it? You can please. No, well, like, yeah. Talk you should. About we can talk yeah, about no, it. In, I, I think we can talk about really, it in a non-spoilery way. Yeah. I don't really do like cop, UK cop thing. Yeah. No, like, same, Tom. But this one, it. this one is just a different, like. The, the vibe is completely different. Um, um, so it, I think it's it's only right and fair that at this point, if you haven't watched it and you are going to watch it, then skip on a few minutes of the podcast or just bail. We'll talk a little bit about it. Rosa, my first question is, were you satisfied with the, with the last ever episode? Yes. Vehement nodding from me. Good. Absolutely. Good. I was genuinely terrified for most of it because I, I didn't think that she would kill her off but you just can't be sure you can't Mm. be sure because I've watched a lot of television and you just don't know which way the wind is blowing at times um after Unforgotten I don't trust anyone exactly and Sally Wainwright is a different totally different person I've had to believe she would not do it but you just you yeah I was very, very nervous and a lot of it did not. I, I honestly, like my heart was absolutely hammering for a lot of the episode. But then <laughs> she did that magical thing where you're, you know, you feel like your heart's going to beat out of your chest. And then there's just like a lovely little weird, amusing conversation or just like a funny little bit of dialogue. And you're like, oh, I feel okay. Just a couple of things like I genuinely, I could not have been prouder of Ryan had he been my own child. You've said what that a few times boy. on this podcast today. I know, but what a good boy. <laughs> I Again, I was like, I believe in you, Ryan. Be good. Do the right thing. Is and there that, some Ryan Mason crossover perhaps there for you? I hadn't mixed, maybe subconsciously. Yes. Mm. I feel like mm. that could have been true. Yeah. Um, just It's just the week of, week of the good boys and the good men, basically, I think. I so. liked how, um, I liked how subtle... The sort of Ryan it, redemption's not the right word, but Ryan sort of coming good. It wasn't like he had to because I was fearing that he was going to be put in a position where he had to like choose between 
them and you know or he had to like turn him into the cops or whatever and if he but didn't it wasn't like that it was just it like, wasn't oh, like that it was dealt with like within because, 15 minutes exactly just, because that's the man he is that, yeah. that was the that's the boy that he was and the and the man that he will grow into but you're like oh of course why did we ever worry and that was part of the genius of the two-hander that was basically the crux of the episode right between yeah. between Catherine and, and Tommy Lee Royce and you realize what so you're watching it and you do feel sorry for him of course because you are human and he's human and that's the point isn't it of being like that's what Ryan wanted to see and so when mm. Ryan says I felt sorry for him you go well of course yeah because that's what we see and then you're reminded that this is it's it's really devastating because obviously this is a kind of a again that's a boy who didn't have a chance really and he turned out the way he did and now there's no there's no possibility of redemption because she doesn't let you forget that either that he's a human being but he's done these terrible things and is not capable of change really and there's only one way that it all ends for him so that's just the brilliance of it isn't it that's the genius is that she can hold both of those in her writing and they can give that to you in their performances. I was honestly like, I knew she could do it. Yeah. I was still just blown away. And has there ever been a better bit of dialogue than when, um, (laughs) when her sister finds her outside having (laughs) come from the confrontation (laughs) with Tommy Lee Royce and asks, you know, how she is and whether, there was, we should say whether there was a scuffle, like there was a scuffle or a scuffle. So there's a bit of a to-do. A bit of a to-do. I, I, I came out came out on top and I think I think you may have singed one of your crochet blankets, <laughs> which was a line yeah. that we were both just like howling at for minutes. And I saw my mum today and that's like all we said to each other. <laughs> it was just so well done. I loved it. And I'm so happy that they rounded it off in such a mm-hmm. sort of, it was like fan servicing in the best possible way in the sense that I think people that watched that show had such high expectations and wanted so many different things from it. And somehow they managed to appease all these different, you know, sort of loose ends and character development and, you know, plot arcs and little side bits. I mean, there was a lot of quite frantic sort of, you know, knots being tied at the end but I yeah, thought yeah like the little they, bit at the end where it was like oh yeah okay, and this sure, and whatever. this and yeah and we sorted yeah. that out and thanks for yeah. the tip off on just that just in case you're wondering doesn't matter <laughs> yeah <laughs> turns out it's fine but yeah I loved it um any other picks from you this week Rosa yeah so I just finished reading um on our sort of Irish I feel like Femtown Gloria is doing a bit of an Irish thing right now with our love for various Irish actors and filmmakers and whatnot um, so I finished reading Colm Toybean's The Magician, which is his sort of fictionalised account of the life of Thomas Mann, which takes a little while to get going um, and is slightly ponderous at times, but I feel like that's probably quite fitting of the subject matter. I've never read any Thomas Mann, but as I understand it, there's a lot of sentences that go along for, that go on for a very long time and it's a bit heavy. So, but then... So it's just fascinating because he lived this life where he kind of, he lived through both of the world wars, but had to leave Nazi Germany um, largely because he wasn't, he just wasn't in 
going to get involved with the Nazis because he came to view them as, you know, the monsters that they were, but also his wife was Jewish, even though she was a very assimilated Jewish-German woman. Um, so they were obviously at risk and they had to leave. And it's just, so you sort of get, he kind of this amazing thing of building up this sort of sense of dread where you kind of know something terrible is happening and they're going to have to leave and all of his family's at risk. And then they kind of all, most of them do get out. Um, and it's about him kind of realizing what is going on in his country. But the sort of people around him are absolutely fascinating. So his wife is this brilliant character and they have this wonderful relationship, even though I think he was bisexual, but mostly gay. So I don't know. They had a lot of children, but I don't know how actually sort of sexual their or romantic their relationship was, but they're obviously very close. And he kind of illustrates that beautifully. And she's a very sort of funny, warm, interesting person. And his older brother was also a writer and a real sort of lefty firebrand kind of back when that sort of really meant something and, you know, denounced Hitler very early on and is a completely fascinating character as well. So he sort of creates this whole amazing world um, that sort of, it's it's quite weird reading it because some of it is very he he kind of puts these things in the story that then are obviously in Thomas Mann's books and you think that seems too sort of obvious but then Colin Sabine is also a brilliant writer so you think oh well maybe that's just that's just how writers write they see stuff and then they just put it straight in their books and like no filter um so it's really thoughtful about that and it's thought so it's very it's fascinating about their relationships it's fascinating about the people um and it's also very moving in a particular kind of way about, I guess, refugee experience in a way that I hadn't really thought about, which is he's a writer and he's only ever written in German. And then he has to leave the country that he's lived in his whole life. And then all he does is write, but who's he writing for anymore? Like there's no one in Ger like Germany has been taken over by barbarians basically. And there's kind of no one for him to write. He doesn't have an audience anymore. And that was really, I don't know. That was one of those, just, just, you know, when you have those moments where you read a book and you just think I'd never really looked at it from that angle mm. before. Um, just very moving really. So it was one of those books. It took me a little while to get through, but I did. I really loved it in the end. So, yeah. Oh. That's, yeah. But you no, see no. what I mean when I'm like, I need some lightness now, I think. Yeah. We need mm. to get you some yeah. sort of romance fiction or something. I do. I need, a, I need a rom-com. <laughs> I need, uh, yeah, some romantic fiction. You need the oh, five-year engagement. Rosalia, I do need the five-year engagement. But also Rosalia released a new song this week, which is very fun. And her first where she sings a bit in English, which is a bit weird, but works. <laughs> Chorus is in English, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the first song where yeah. the, the hook is in English. I have listened uh, to that about 20 times. I don't know if I like that or not for her. I, I just... don't. Um, and it, but it's all right. It's a, I okay. think it's. I've, a not, yeah, I've not heard it. So, like after a while, you're like, okay, this is fine. Okay, cool. Um, thank you, Rosa. Those are very thoughtful recommendations indeed. Um, I'll round us off quickly. Happy Valley was obviously one of my highlights. Um, I love the new Caroline Polachek album, which is out on Valentine's Day next week. I'm interviewing her this week. I'm very excited. Um, I love her. I'm, she's like one of my favourite sort of interesting pop stars. And this album, uh, Desire, I want to 
uh, turning to you is just so good. It's like five stars for me. It's just a perfect sort of wonky pop sort of if you're into I know she really railed against the Guardian calling her this generation's Kate Bush the other day but if you're into Kate Bush I think she is exactly the sort of pop star that you'll really love um it's a big chairlift fan back in the day so I'm thrilled that she's really coming good on lots and lots of promise that she showed over the years into a proper sort of you know put together album that I think is going to be one of the year's best so very excited about that um and then I've started reading um, Rachel Cusk, who I've never read before, and I'm reading uh, the first book in the Outline trilogy. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, the Outline trilogy, which um, is called Outline. It's the first book in the trilogy, and uh, I will report back on that. I'm only a few pages in, but I'm like totally transfixed. And a few a few friends have recommended I read her for a long time. Um, I've always meant to read her. Yeah, I need to. Um, I've only read her book on um, motherhood, which is which is quite uh, a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's loads um, of it. I found it quite. Um, a friend of mine gave it to me after I had my eldest, and some of it really, I I did feel very sort of seen in certain ways, and then in other ways, I just thought I don't really know what this woman's talking. like. I, it was that sort of weird. I guess no person's experience is the same, and it was very kind of palpable in that mm. book. I thought actually this makes this makes sense to me and some of this is crazy yeah so I'd be interested I'd be interested to know what her other stuff is like I'm not yeah I've never been particularly drawn to yeah neither, neither have I and I was um a few yeah a few friends had said you should try her fiction because similarly I'd heard that the non-fiction stuff particularly the book on motherhood was a bit sort of um yeah a little bit divisive at times etc um and maybe I'm also not a mother, but we've got very young children. Perhaps you need to be like out of the woods with the very young children bit first before you can start reading things like that. Um, but uh, so not like you know three weeks postpartum like I was. Then. Yeah, I reckon you were maybe in the red zone a little bit there. Um, and yeah, I was in. We moved offices last week, and there's a bookshop just under our office in the. Uh, uh, yeah, and. I was having a nose in there and saw her books and thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try. And it was, I was one of those like tube journey homes where I was really gutted when it was my stop because I was so engrossed. Um, so I'll, I'll report back. That's with a more. good sign. Yeah, it's mm. really good sign. Um, that's me. I will stop there. We've been talking for quite a long time. So uh, thank you for everyone for sticking with us. It was a Harry Kane special. So of course we were, we were going to, uh, give him his his due credit and harry kane thank you ever so much for everything you've done we love you um and we love you for listening to us thank you ever so much everybody rosa tom thank you too for your company as always it's been a delight um rosa see us home please harry we love you forever no matter what happens next up the spurs (laughs) 